Does something about the future consume your thoughts, keep you awake, or make you shake? Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be afraid. And you won't be afraid. Not when you apply the two-step cure for worry. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book, Shut Up Devil, and creator of the Shut Up Devil app. I'm all about shutting down the lies and the struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life. And I'm here to do it every single week with a live online audience where I teach and pray. And I'd be honored if you join me live sometime. So tell Siri or Alexa or Google Assistant, whoever you use, to remind you to go to kylewinkler.org live on Thursdays at 8 central. Okay, let's talk about what is probably the single greatest device, emotion, feeling, battle, whatever you want to call it, that the enemy uses against you. It's an emotion so common that many people sometimes mistake it for wisdom. But that's how it is with the enemy's lies. For those of you who are currently reading my book, Shut Up Devil, you know that what makes the enemy's voice so covert and so deceptive is that the devil mixes it with things that sound smart. Often things that are based on truth. The problem is, he then takes that truth and makes something out of it that is completely untrue. That's how we so easily swallow his lies, which results in all of the mind games and the toxic emotions that we battle. As I said, the battle we're here to confront now, though, may be the most paralyzing one of them all. It's worry, which is a form of fear. I'm going to explain the difference between worry and fear in a few minutes. Now, I know we preachers, we often say this or that is the worst it's ever been in history. People have never been more anxious. People have never been more lonely. They've never been more depressed. We say things like that. Maybe I'm not old enough to say that there's never been a time when people faced more worry. But I think I can say that at least in the last four decades, I don't recall a time when the opportunity for worry has been as pervasive as it has been in the last maybe five years. I don't think it would take too much for you and I to agree on a diagnosis of the cause. A lot of it is the constant manufactured outrage on the part of a media that is increasingly desperate for eyes and ears and clicks. And just a side note here, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I've been around the Christian media world for almost the last decade. I've worked with Christian producers on Christian shows, and I can tell you that if Christian programs are produced to attract attention and evoke a response, with good intentions, of course. But if they are even produced, how much more do you think the world and its programs are? And not with nearly as good of intentions. Let me tell you, it's sales 101 that fear is the greatest motivator. And if people know it, the devil certainly knows it. So while I'm being a little bit bold here, let me say that this constant fear and paranoia is being propagated at 
every end of the thought spectrum, whether conservative or liberal, doesn't matter. Neither end has the corner on this. In every case, the worries really boil down to the same root, which I'll share in a minute. The enemy just uses a different strategy based on who he's after. As I say in Shut Up Devil, he customizes his attacks based on who you are. But the end goal is always the same, cripple or distract. And that's what's happening both in the world and in the church. It's really sad about the church. Because believers, hear me, when it comes to courage and boldness in the face of whatever, Christians ought to be the leaders. The Bible says we have not been given the Holy Spirit so that we would be slaves again to fear. I know there's a lot of debate in the church over what is the initial evidence of someone who has received the Holy Spirit. I wrote about this years ago after I did a study. Through the book of Acts, there are five accounts, five different people groups that received the Holy Spirit. And in every one of them, the very first evidence that I found of the Holy Spirit in someone was the boldness to do something they otherwise wouldn't have done. Believers, we are to be the leaders in fearlessness. If we don't demonstrate this to the world, who will? Okay, I guess that's my opening monologue, as they say in the news world. I don't mean to put any kind of condemnation on anyone or point fingers at any one kind of action as an example of being crippled or distracted by worry. I'm not going to do that. But I can point you to a single route that you might need to check yourself to see if how you're acting or reacting is based on it. I'll get to that route in a minute because it explains the two steps to cure worry that we're going to explore. But first, I said I'd tell you the difference between fear and worry. Fear is a feeling of potential danger. And like any feeling, it's not always of the devil. I know that surprises some of you. I'm going to explain this. The devil cannot create feelings. We give him way too much credit. He can't create anything. What he can do, however, and this is powerful enough, is confuse feelings and use feelings to get us to do or not do things. Again, this is why I say he uses bits of truth to convince us of lies, things that we see and hear and can feel. Maybe that did happen, that was said, whatever which we then react according to. I'll give you some examples of healthy fear. Just out of high school, a friend and I decided to jump out of an airplane. I've got a video clip to play while I'm talking never-before-seen footage of this at 18 years old. Here I am. There with the tandem guy, the guy who was strapped to me, had to be, for my first jump. He's adjusting my goggles while we wait for the stunt group there in front of me to jump. Now, here in just a few seconds, you're going to see how high this was, 12,000 feet in the air. And I'll never forget it. Quantum Leap in St. Louis, Missouri is where I did this jump. So you see the, the height right there. 
What you don't see there is on my way to the door, every step to that door felt like 100 pounds. I might be smiling there, but I was freaking out. And I should have been. It's a risky thing to do something that I don't think humans were designed to do. Now, as you see me there, after I jumped, the fear went away. And that's really a different message there. Usually, you confront the fear and the fear goes. You just got to confront it. Like I said, different message. But there is a healthy kind of fear. You should feel some fear about placing your hand on a scorching hot burner or risking all your money on a lottery. That's healthy fear. And, in my opinion, you should feel some fear about drinking coffee. Besides how it burns your taste buds so that you have no sense of what tastes good anymore, if you drink too much of it, your babies will be born with no teeth and some with no hair. I promise you, my parents were huge coffee drinkers, and I and all of my brothers, we were all born with no teeth and most of us with no hair. So, more healthy fear. <laughs> okay, all joking aside, my point is that, like other feelings, fear can be a useful guide, particularly to protect you from danger. But as I said, the enemy takes feelings to the extreme. God designed feelings to be a guide. The devil wants to make them your master. So you're a puppet to them. And he uses feelings of fear as one of his most potent means of persuasion. He wants fear to be so real that the mere existence of a challenge doesn't just warn of potential danger, but it also promises the certainty of it. And this is worry. As the dictionary defines it, worry is to allow one's mind to dwell or be consumed by difficulty or trouble. In other words, if you consistently focus on the danger, what could happen? You'll eventually become convinced that it will happen. And then everything in your life will be dictated by what you're just so sure is going to happen. Here's how it works. Let's say you have medical bills that are constantly coming in. And you know, it's not just from the hospital you visited, but it's from the x-ray technician and the x-ray reader and the person who gives you that gown to put on for the x-ray, you know, that never quite comes together completely in the back. Some of you know what I mean. Bill after bill after bills coming in from every direction every day, more and more. Well, the enemy takes the reality of all of those bills to tell you this is going to turn into the worst. You're going to lose all your money. Bankruptcy. It's inevitable. Or here's a big one so many of us face today. They didn't respond to your text because they're mad at you. Again, like I say about all the devil's lies, the first part may be true. You are receiving the bills. They haven't responded back to your text. It's the interpretation of what that means that's usually the lie. And it's usually what plunges us into worry, consumed by thoughts like, Oh no, I'm not going to make it. It's going to be the end of me. What do they think of me? What's going to happen? The mind games go on and on until you confront the worries with two greater realities that shut down the root of all fear. 
root of all worry. Okay, I've been stringing you along to this root. What is it? Worry is rooted in the imagination of a future that God is not in. So if you're worried about something today, I don't mean to minimize your experience necessarily. I want to minimize the worry, but I'm not saying anything about you. Most of us who are worried don't even realize that it's rooted in this imagination. And this is an age-old imagination, by the way. As you read through much of Israel's story, it was the source of all of their worries, so much so that the psalmist called it out as foolishness. Along their journey to the promised land, Israel experienced real suffering and real grief and real obstacles, real pain. On the edge of their promised land, talked about this in the last few weeks, they were afraid to finally go in and possess it because of the reality of giants that occupied the land. The root of their worries was not the obstacles or the giants, but the belief that God had in some way or for some reason left them. They imagined a future he wasn't in. That's why the psalmist says in multiple psalms that only fools say in their hearts there is no God. A lot of people mistake that verse to be about atheism. There were no atheists in those days. Everyone believed in a God back then. Not always the right one, but they believed in one. What this verse is talking about is the foolishness of God's people imagining that God had left them, especially after he consistently promised that he'd never leave them nor forsake them. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to keep saying it. A lot of us today process what we see and hear according to a godless worldview. We hear about an evil dictator threatening to nuke the world, and it's tempting to forget that the Bible says that the one enthroned in heaven laughs. Not because he's insensitive, but because any enemy's threats are child's play compared to the magnitude of his presence and his power and his grace. We hear about a global pandemic, and we either go to the extreme that it's going to wipe out the world or the other extreme that it's some conspiracy to wipe out the world. I'm not saying that we don't take things seriously and do our parts, or that there aren't really evil plans by evil people. But I am saying that this world is not spinning at a thousand miles per hour with no one in charge. Yet we often act that way, and live that way, and think that way, talk that way. We have a very attentive God at the helm, who is so attentive that he even keeps track of the number of hairs on our heads. Now, for some, it's easier to do for him than others. <laughs> but he does it. The reality of God's presence means that he's not going to allow evil to destroy the world in one way or another. And he's not going to allow you to be destroyed by it either. So this brings me to the two-step cure for worry. Psychologists say, the greatest way to shut down worry is to gain more knowledge. Collect more information. In other words, I say no more truth. I think about my belief in Santa Claus as a child. Spoiler alert, by the way, if any of you have children around listening to this. I think it was until sometime in the third grade that I believed. And there were lots of real evidences, I thought, like 
remnants of his long white beard caught on the branches of our Christmas tree. And the cookie crumbs left on the plate, I thought, well, that, I mean, that just is certain he exists. He ate the cookies. He drank the milk. Well, when it came time for my parents to end this fairy tale, all they had to do was show me the cotton that they had used to leave traces of what looked like a beard. They had to tell me that they ate the cookies and drank the milk, and of course explain that the Santa tracker on TV was only a simulation. But with a bit of truth, poof, Santa was gone forever. Truth is always the answer to end imaginations. Not only the childhood ones, but also the adult ones like the frightening imaginations of an unknown future. Now, you can do as the psychologists suggest and collect all kinds of knowledge to help rid yourself of as many unknowns as possible. Admittedly, I did that when I stepped into this ministry, my own ministry here. I was just about to leave a full-time job with full-time benefits. A lot of you have heard me talk about this before. So I actually made a spreadsheet of the income versus the outgo, and there was a lot of outgo and a lot of loans, rent and car payment and student loans, more and more, little income. And without the full-time salary, it's going to be even less. I considered all of my opportunities, had all those things listed out as well, and some of it helped, but a lot of it didn't. Israel did the same. Actually, God told them to. Before they were to enter their promised land, God told them to spy it out, study it, see what it looks like. So it's no sin to try to analyze the future and mitigate some of the challenges. But here's where knowledge alone fails when it comes to eliminating worry. Knowledge can only go so far. In truth, my spreadsheet showed a picture that didn't look so promising. One that no financial advisor would have told me to, <laughs> to step out into. Definitely wouldn't have told me to do what I did. And as I mentioned earlier, Israel saw giants in the land that were surely physically stronger than they were. But regardless of what you see and what you hear and how much human information you collect, regardless of what your spreadsheets show, it can't tell you everything. Because it can't predict the future. That's why to cure worries, you have to take two pieces of truth to them. The first is what we just talked about. Step number one. Remember the reality of God's presence. You know, this was always the cure for worry. I think that's why the devil tries so hard to get us to forget that God is with us. When Moses pleaded that he was not well-spoken enough to convince Pharaoh, God said in Exodus, I will be with you. During their Exodus, while being chased by the Egyptian army, God said in Exodus 33:14, I will personally go with you. One of my favorites is Deuteronomy 31.8. On the way to the promised land, knowing the threat of giants, God told Israel, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. 
the reality of God's presence was always to be the source of their courage. Always. All throughout the Bible, really. I could go on and on with verses. It's because when you know that the maker of heaven and earth is with you, it really doesn't matter what comes against you. It doesn't matter how real the obstacles are. It doesn't matter what you see, hear, or feel. It doesn't matter what spreadsheets show. Because God's presence is a factor that changes everything. When I stepped into this ministry, I had no speaking engagements on the books. I had no resources to offer, no donors. I didn't have a wealthy family underwriting the launch of it all. As a matter of fact, they thought I was crazy. I had a few promises from God. They were strong ones, but that's what I had. And as bills came in, when everything looked hopeless, frankly, I had to remember the only factor that would change everything. God is with me. Even with shaking legs and butterflies in my stomach, you know, that doesn't always go away, but I still had to say and remember, God is with me. And he's going before me. Until my flesh caught up with what I was saying and believing. And you know what? God did stay with me and go before me. I'm still here. What the spreadsheets indicated didn't come to pass. The bills didn't bring me down. Step by step, God cleared the way as I went. Sometimes people ask me, what is this ring on my right hand all about? I don't know if you can, probably you can't see it from the camera there. But inscribed on this ring is simply the encouragement that God gave Joshua when he was tasked to lead God's people into the promised land. It's Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. That's what the ring says. The verse goes on to say, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This single promise has been my lifeline, which is why I keep it on me. To remind me. I told you before about what I say anytime that I realize fearful thoughts are starting to consume my mind. Because it happens from time to time, even today. I'll tell you about one particular thing that happened this week at the end of this message. But it's based upon everything that we talked about so far. I say, God is here even in the places that I fear. And I'm telling you, Taking that piece of information, the ultimate truth that God is here even in the places that I fear, taking that to my worries never fails to keep me pressing forward, despite whatever I feel. The reality of God with you means that you never have to fight a battle on your own. Whatever obstacle you face doesn't only face you, but it faces God. And that's a losing battle for it, not you. There's a second reality. That's helpful to bring to your worries, too. This is why I call it a two-step cure. So do the two-step. Step two. Recall the reality of God's good character, of His faithfulness. Because sometimes you can believe that God is with you, but you don't believe He's for you. If you don't know that He's good, you might think He'll just stand there and let you suffer. You know, all throughout the Bible, God didn't tell people to just believe him because he's him. He didn't. He always proved his good character so that they had some point of reference for hope. 
God created animals in front of Adam's eyes to show Adam that he is powerful. Before they fell, he met with Adam and Eve in the evenings. They learned his heart. Before he asked Moses to do anything, God spoke to him out of a burning bush, showed him signs. I could go on and on with all the ways that God revealed his good character to people in Scripture. Before David went to feed Goliath, he recalled how God saved him from the lion and the bear, so he believed that God would save him from this Philistine giant too. My point is that reflecting on God's goodness in your past is key to courage in your future. And we all have things we can look back on. Today, before I make big moves or investments, in the ministry especially, because things get really expensive and sometimes they get scary, well, to calm all that, I have to remember how God got me here. It helps me to trust that he's not only with me, but he's for me. He hasn't let me down before. He's not going to let me down now. And it's the same for you. You have a history with God to reflect upon. And the proof is that you are still here. The very fact that you're listening to this today means that you made it through challenges you never thought you would. Tests and bills and symptoms, things you once thought would be the end of you. Yet here you are. You have a 100% survival rate through everything so far. There is no reason to believe that's going to change today. And that's because God is with you and He is for you. Okay. Story I told you I'd tell you about the fear I had to deal with this week, just two days ago. I had an opportunity to put all this into practice. Funny how that always works, usually. The week I'm teaching a message, suddenly I really got to live the message. Well, on Tuesday, I went to the dentist for what I thought was a routine filling. The dentist then began as he came into the room, hardly sat down before he said, Kyle, I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to warn you, this is a big one. And based on the x-ray, I'm not 100% sure that this isn't going to need a root canal. I'll know when I get into it. Well, I would have rather not known that before he started drilling. Because while I waited to get numb, my mind went down all the what-ifs and the wonderings. Because I had never had that before. So when I caught myself being consumed by all of those things, I went through these two steps. I said, well, I'm teaching a message on this. I better apply this <laughs> today. I said to myself, well, God is with me. And he's gotten me through before. And I even remembered what I write about in the book, actually, about how nine out of ten things we worry about, studies have shown, nine out of ten things never actually happen anyway. So I thought, well, it's, I got a good chance that it's not going to turn out the way that he's afraid it's going to turn out or that I'm afraid it's going to turn out. Well, it ended up turning out the way that I was afraid it was going to turn out. Next week, I go get my first root canal and crown. Now, I know that's small potatoes compared to what some of you are going through. But I shared that to say that, yes, 
Sometimes the things you worry about do come to pass. But that doesn't mean God failed you. It's just more reason to rely on the realities of God's presence and His faithfulness. Because the reality of God with you and God for you means that even if you do have to go through it, He will get you through it as He always has. Somebody hear this and apply it to whatever you're worried about right now. God with you and God before you means that He'll likely clear out whatever you fear before you even get there. But even if not, you will certainly have His grace to get you through when you get there, as you always have. So let's bring these two realities to our situations right now. Let's use that mind and mouth connection that I taught on a couple weeks ago. I'm going to lead you into a declaration that applies everything we just explored. To stop worry before it stops you. You ready? I want you to declare this with me. Really say it. I don't care how weird it feels. Really say it. God is with me and before me. Therefore, I have all the strength, provision, and protection I need to get through what is here and what is ahead. Just as He delivered me in the past, I know that He will be faithful to do it again. I have nothing to fear. That declaration is one of ten declarations that I shared in my book right here, Shut Up, Devil. In fact, it is at the end of a chapter that's based on this teaching. If you don't yet have your copy of Shut Up, Devil, let me kindly say, don't let your healing and deliverance wait another day. This book is for everyone who has tried everything else and is tired of all the ups and downs and successes and failures and you just want something that lasts. Well, I wrote this book because of my own journey of getting to the root of my battles finally for real healing and deliverance. Shut Up Devil, Silencing the Ten Lies Behind Every Battle You Face is available on my website at kylewinkler.org slash shutupdevil. I'll even sign it for you and you'll receive a PDF of the first chapter on your emailed receipt. That way you can get started while you wait for it to arrive. Or of course you can get it on Amazon or at any bookstore in paperback, ebook, or audio book. That does it for the Shut Up Devil show. Remember, God is good and He is for you. We're here for you, too, every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast, and wherever you get your social media. Of course, I'd love to have you join me live sometime on Thursdays at 8 central at kylewinkler.org live. And don't forget, wherever you're watching, whether it's on YouTube or maybe you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, whatever the platform, tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. See you next time.